I want to continue our reading in John's gospel of the blind man who was healed. And we're going to kind of skip over just a portion of it. And the part we're going to skip is where the Pharisees actually called the blind man's parents in to question them about this healing. And then we pick up the, the narrative right after that in verse 24. It says, so for the second time, and that's the Pharisees, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. The blind man answered, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And the Pharisees cast him out. Jesus heard they had cast him out and found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who, do not see, those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind." Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy scripture. Well, if you were here last week, you probably remember that we had a problem with our projection screen. And the problem actually wasn't the projector or wasn't the computer. The problem was in the cable that runs from the front of the church all the way to the back, connecting the two. This week, we installed a new state-of-the-art fiber optic cable that should, and remember I said should, should eliminate our issues. Now, to connect the new cable, I had to go up on a ladder to reach the top of the projector there. If you know me, you know I'm not a fan of ladders. Our ministry communications director, Amber, steadied the ladder for me while I climbed up. And with her down there, I figured, you know what, if I fell and I fell on her, she would cushion my fall. And isn't that what a good church staff person does? Well, on that ladder, while praying that I wouldn't fall, I thought a little bit about ladders. And ladders do actually a couple of things. The obvious thing they do is ladders help us reach up to things that are out of our reach. Ladders can help us paint ceilings, 
clean out the gutters or, or climb onto our roof, although I'm not sure why anyone would want to climb onto their roof. But if they wanted to climb on their roof, ladders will help you do it. Now, sometimes I know that we're tempted to make our own ladder. For example, putting a box on a, or a chair on a table and climbing up does not qualify as a ladder. I've heard it can end badly. Second, ladders also... Can you turn my volume down just a little bit? Second, ladders also help us see what we couldn't see from the ground. We can see when we're on the top of a ladder that a roof is a scary place that should be avoided. We might see that our, our gutters are filled with gunk, making us want to call the gutter guard company. Well, I once used a ladder for this second purpose, this purpose of seeing. It was back when I was in college. I worked at a hardware store in South St. Louis City. And each Christmas at that hardware store, we had a Christmas tree lot. And I loved working on the Christmas tree lot. To, to set up the lot, though, we had to string lights since the lot was open in the evening for sales. And we used a ladder to reach the top of poles to string the lights. But even after the lighting was installed, we kept that ladder, and it was like a six or an eight foot ladder. We kept it out on the lot. You see, we could sit on the top of that ladder and keep an eye over the entire tree lot. It was a good idea, but it actually served a second very helpful purpose. You see, this hardware store was a couple blocks away from Bishop DeBerg High School. And I usually ran that tree lot an afternoon or two during the week. Business was typically slow at that time, and so I often found myself sitting on the top of the ladder when the high school let out. I could see better there. I could see the cute high school girls walking home from school. A few would say hi. Often there were some giggles. I guess a college guy sitting on top of a ladder in a Christmas tree, so Christmas tree lot was kind of a strange sight. But I didn't mind. The things a young man will do to meet girls. And with that, I think we should pray. God, we praise you this morning. We ask you to teach us through your word, the Bible. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me and that we would hear your truth. Help us to grow in faith and discipleship. May we come to know your Son, our Savior, more deeply. And may we enjoy this time spent worshiping you and together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you heard earlier, we've come to John chapter 9 in our Gospel study of John. And throughout this service, you heard first Carolyn and then Pastor David and me read the story of the blind man's encounter with Jesus. After Jesus restored the man's sight, the man's faith grew. And in some ways, it was as if he was climbing up a ladder, a ladder of belief. And with each step up that ladder, he saw Jesus more clearly. And by the end of our passage, the formerly blind man was reaching up to new heights. And it's actually the same with us. We climb the ladder of belief, the, the blind man's ladder. And the higher we go, the better we see Jesus and the more our faith can actually grow. And with that growth, 
There can be new opportunities to reach out and serve. Sadly, though, some people are like me with a real ladder. They're afraid of the heights. We're afraid to climb. We worry that if we grow in our faith, if we climb up that ladder of belief, Jesus might call us to change the way we think or the way we act. It's much easier to follow Jesus from a distance. You know, if we climb up higher and get closer and more godly, we could be concerned that Jesus is going to give us something new, something challenge, challenging to do in service of him. And so sometimes we say, you know what, thanks Jesus, but I'm comfortable right where I am. We never step up. Some never get on the ladder of growth or they go up a step or two and it gets a little scary, a little uncomfortable, and then they go back lower where it was safer. As we look at this blind man's encounter with Jesus and then with the Pharisees, I want each of us to think about our own faith. Are we climbing ever higher? Are we drawing closer to our Savior? Or are we hanging out near the bottom, not going particularly anywhere? I've asked Jordan to assist me this morning, and using this ladder, Jordan is going to help us see what was happening with the blind man after his miraculous healing. His belief grew, and not only could he see, but he could see who Jesus was more clearly. Climbing the ladder of belief begins by remembering what Jesus has done. We remember what Jesus has done for us. In verse 8 of our reading, the people who knew the blind man were puzzled. They knew this blind man. This man, though, in front of them looked like the, the blind guy. He looked like the same man, but this man could see. And some wondered, maybe we're mistaken. Was this a different person? Maybe the blind man had a twin. Was this guy a, a doppelganger? Was he an imposter? And the blind man said to him, he said, no, it's me. You can almost imagine him saying, you guys know me. I'm the same guy who sat on the edge of the road day after day. I asked for food from whoever might be willing to share. I'm the one you avoided because you didn't know how to deal with my handicap. I'm the guy that you felt sorry for, but you didn't bother to get to know. I'm that man. And then in verse 10, we read, it says, So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, This man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. The formerly blind man told the people that this man, Jesus, restored his sight. He shared with them how it happened. And in retelling the story, he remembered. An opportunity to grow had taken place. Now at this point, he simply referred to Jesus as this man. Even though Jesus had healed him, he saw Jesus simply as a man. He was at the bottom rung of the ladder.
The people then brought the formerly blind man before Jesus, and the Pharisees asked the very same question. They said, how did you receive your sight? The man replied in verse 15, he said, he put mud in my eyes, I washed and I see. As the discussion with the Pharisees continued, some of them began to challenge him. They declared that Jesus could not be from God because he had healed this man's eyes on the Sabbath. They were saying a godly man would not heal on the Sabbath. Let me ask you, can you imagine asking God to heal you or to bride some blessing on a Sunday? Are you afraid that God might reply, sorry, can't do it today, call back tomorrow? That's not God. God is with us every minute of every single day. The Pharisees, the Pharisees didn't get it. And then they asked the man, they said, what do you have to say about this guy who opened your eyes? And the man replied, he is a prophet. As the formerly blind man shared for a second time what Jesus had done for him, he grew in his understanding of who Jesus actually was. This time, instead of saying that Jesus was just a man, he said, he's a prophet. Now, if you know anything about prophets, they were the ones who revealed what God had to say to the people. Prophets had a special relationship with God. Calling Jesus a prophet shows the man was moving up the ladder of belief. He was beginning to realize that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. He was a prophet. Remembering, retelling, those are important parts of spiritual growth. Every Sunday when we gather here in this building or when we watch the service online, we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember through the message, through the hymns, through the songs, through prayer, and through scripture readings. I don't know about you, but I need to hear what Jesus did for me over and over again because I forget the message of what Jesus did for you and I never gets old. His sacrifice never ceases to be amazing. And so we take another step up the ladder of belief. We draw closer to Jesus. We see him more clearly. Before we go any further, though, we need to talk about this group, the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they didn't believe that the man was blind to begin with. In fact, they called the man's parents in to interrogate them. The Pharisees also didn't believe in Jesus. They said Jesus was not a man of God. And the irony of this narrative is incredible. The man who was blind gained physical sight. Not only that, he received spiritual insight. The Pharisees, these wise Pharisees, supposedly wise men, could physically see but they remain spiritually blind. At the end of our passage, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who, may, who see may become blind. And then a verse or two later he added, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see and so your guilt remains. 
In other words, Jesus had revealed himself to the Pharisees, but they chose not to see. They rejected Jesus. They remained condemned in their sin. The blind man, he was climbing the ladder of belief. And the Pharisees were digging themselves a hole. As they dug, they lashed out, to the man, lashed out against the man who had received his sight. And if you think about it, that's typical of those who can't see the truth. See, as we climb a ladder in our own belief, as we grow in our faith, it happens often as we respond to challenges. After the parents told the Pharisees that they really should be talking to their son, the Pharisees called the healed man before them a second time. You know, give the, these guys credit for persistence. Maybe they thought, you know, we're going to call him in a second time. We're really going to intimidate him this time. And he's bound to crack. He's bound to say what we want him to say. And so they came after this formerly blind man. And they said to him, give glory to God. Which actually means they wanted him to tell the truth. They called Jesus a sinner. And so with this pressure applied, they asked him again. They said, what did Jesus do? And the man replied, he said, The one thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. This man's story was consistent. He didn't change anything. It was consistent because it was the truth. And at this point, I think we're probably really starting to get behind and root for this blind man. He was being bullied. We might expect him to back down, but it didn't happen. And what did happen, though, was awesome. This man that had, far, had been blind proved himself to be wiser than the Pharisees. The Pharisees. The Pharisees were well-respected religious men who took pride in knowing and following the law of Moses. They even added to the law to make sure that they did their best to maintain the law. Look at them and then compare them to this man who had been blind. This blind man had likely received very little education. Being blind in the first century meant that you were on the bottom of society. You were on the lowest rung of society and you had absolutely no way out. And yet he took on the Pharisees. Beginning in verse 27, the man responded to the Pharisees' repeated questions by saying, I have told you already, and he's talking about what Jesus had done, I have told you already, but you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And those last words, those are my favorite part of this entire narrative. Do you also want to become his disciples? That's the last thing that the Pharisees wanted to be, Jesus' disciples. When the blind man says this, I don't know how it was said, but I see sarcasm there. This man who had received his sight is saying to the Pharisees, you guys seem so interested in this man of God, Jesus. I figure you, you must be interested for a reason. Is it that because you secretly want to follow him yourselves? There's also an easily missed word in this man's question to the Pharisees. He asked, do you also want to become his disciples? See that word also? We can't be sure, but that also suggests that the man was starting to consider himself a disciple of Jesus. He was becoming a follower of Christ. 
And the confrontation continued. In verse 29, the Pharisees said, We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as far as this man, they're talking about Jesus. For as this man, we do not know where he comes from. And again, the blind man shows great wisdom. He answers, Why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from? And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't talk to sinners, but if anyone's a worshiper of God and it does his will, God's going to listen. It says, never since the world began has been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He beat the Pharisees. At the end of their dialogue, all the Pharisees could do is call this man names. They called him a sinner and they threw him out. They couldn't defeat his testimony or his theology, so they resorted to a childish response. Just get out of here. The uneducated, formerly severely handicapped man schooled the Pharisees. We might say he taught them a thing or two. And in doing so, his theology was simple. It can be summed up in three easy steps. First, his blindness was healed by a man named Jesus. Second, he knew that God is the one who performed the healing, and God doesn't listen to sinners who don't follow him, but God does listen to those who worship him and do his will. And so then third, he concluded, this man, Jesus, must be from God. Jesus performed a healing that only God could do. God listened to him. He must be a man of God. By standing up to the challenges of the Pharisees, the man who was blind took another step up the ladder of belief. If you stand up for Jesus, I guarantee you people are going to challenge you. Some might go as far as attacking you. They might even resort to name-calling, names like narrow-minded or intolerant. They might not choose to include you in their social gatherings. They might question your intelligence, ultimately asking, how can anyone with a brain believe in God? The truth is, all of creation points to God. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1, he said, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. God is real. God sent his son Jesus to save us from the punishment we deserve for our sins. Those are the facts. Don't be afraid to stand on the truth. But always stand on the truth in love. And that's what the formerly blind man did. He wasn't afraid to say what Jesus did for him. And you and I should follow his lead. By the end of John chapter 9... The formerly blind man realized who Jesus is. He believed. As we climb the ladder of belief, we ultimately will realize who Jesus is. After the Pharisees cast out the man, Jesus found him. And the healed man, if you think about it, he had not yet seen Jesus. 
He was blind. Jesus put mud on his eyes and then told him to wash them. And by the time he returned with his restored sight, Jesus was gone. In verse 35, we read, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said he was the son of man. Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't simply a man of God. He is God. And with that, the formerly blind man had made his greatest step in faith. He called Jesus Lord. He said he believed. He worshipped Jesus. He clearly saw who Jesus is. In this last step in the ladder of belief can be the toughest one for a lot of people to make. It requires declaring Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It means we realize that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And that realization, that big step up the ladder of faith, should cause you and I to worship Jesus just like the man did in John chapter 9. Worship. Worship's what we do on Sunday mornings. But worship also happens seven days a week. It's how we live. Worship is a life that honors God. With worship, we reach the, the top of this ladder of belief. But growth doesn't end there. Growing in Christ is a lifelong journey. If you've ever done a lot of climbing up and down ladders, you know it's work. If you spend a day painting, you will probably be tired when, you're fi when you finish. Climbing a ladder takes effort. Growing in faith also requires effort. But the real work, the real work's already been completed. And we didn't do it. Jesus did the work on the cross. Now, if you want to take my ladder metaphor here to the extreme, Jesus is the ladder. We're going to see if Jordan can get this all the way to the... No. <laughs> there you go. There. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> He's the way. As our faith, as our belief in Jesus grows, we will see Jesus more clearly. He will take you and I to places that we cannot even imagine. Jesus will help us reach up and reach out to glorify God as we share our story, much like the blind man shared his story. It's a story of how Jesus saved us. It's a story of Jesus walking with us day by day. It's a story of love and mercy and forgiveness. It's a story that opens eyes and changes lives.